This is The Mudroom, uncommon sense parenting classes with your parenting coach, Alana Robinson. Weekly nuggets of developmentally appropriate parenting wisdom to help you parent your toddlers, preschoolers, and kindergartners more effectively with less effort. The Mudroom is recorded live on Facebook every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. Now, here's Alana. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Mudroom, our weekly free and live uncommon sense parenting class. My name is Alana Robinson. I'm a parenting coach for parents of toddlers, preschoolers, and kindergartners, and I help you understand why your children are misbehaving and how to fix it without yelling, shaming, or timeouts. I'm your host here on The Mudroom. I'm also the host of the Parenting Posse Facebook group. If you aren't a member, consider this your personal invitation to join us. And finally, I'm the creator of the Parentability Program, where I help you raise well-behaved kids of your own. So today we're talking about irrational fears. Everybody has irrational fears, but with young kids, it can sometimes feel like they're scared of everything. And the things that they claim to be scared of often make no sense. They come out of nowhere, and they're often things that they've done before with no issues. So this can be a super frustrating experience as a parent. And on top of it, they often seem to get more scared when we reassure them. Children have lots of irrational fears because they simply don't have the depth of experience that we do. They don't have the data to accurately predict the outcome of this situation and what that's going to be, what the dangers are. And to be fair, adults often miss details that children see very clearly. I mean, look at the plot of any Disney movie. There's a reason that children identify with that trope so strongly. So it's not inconceivable that children don't 100% trust our assessment of any given situation. And to make matters worse, when children express their fear to us, our usual response is to dismiss it, right? I'm scared of the dark. No, you're safe in your room. There's nothing dangerous here. You're fine. Go to sleep. I don't like that guy. No, no, no. He's a nice person. He'd never hurt you. Don't be rude. I don't want to go down that slide. I don't want to swim in that water. I don't want to climb that ladder. It's safe. Look, I did it. You're fine. Our immediate default response is to deny what they're fearing is even an issue without really stopping to consider if they might have a good reason for being concerned. We just want them to do the thing. So we're like, nope, you're good. And then our actions tell them the exact opposite. We're like, look, you're safe in the water. And then we freak out every time they so much as walk in the general direction of the waterfront and we throw a life jacket on them and then we those actions don't say that they're safe. If I'm safe, why are you acting like I'm not safe? Nighttime fears are the first ones. You're safe in your room. But then every time they wail, we bust in going, what's wrong? If I'm safe in my room, why do you come running every time I make even a mildly distressed sound? Or we get over eager, right? Have you ever been in a situation where someone's like, come over here. And you're like, I was just doing this thing. And they're like, come here. I have something to show you. And they're like super invested in getting you to go with them or to do something to the point where it's like weird. Like, why is this so important to you? That makes our spidey senses tingle, doesn't it? Well, kids have the same spidey senses <laughs> and they also get suspicious and go into high alert when we're overly invested in them doing something that they don't understand. And to be fair, 
we're usually acting that way for reasons that would make no sense to our kids, right? We have money invested in them doing it. There's social pressure. Someone's watching them and judging us. Or we're emotionally invested in the outcome of this activity for some reason, right? We speak safety to them, often overconfidently, but our actions don't actually follow the same confidence of our words. And kids pick up on that disconnect. They get it. Your words and your actions do not mesh, and actions speak louder than words. If they have to choose between trusting our words and trusting our actions, children will trust our actions every single time. What does that mean? It means that if your child is struggling with irrational fears, you need to take a good, hard look at what you're doing to reinforce those fears. Going back to the nighttime suggestion, I've had client after client tell me, you know, I leave the room, they scream, I go in and reassure them, then I leave the room and they start screaming. Or sometimes they don't even make it out of the room before they start screaming. And we do this for an hour before I get frustrated and freaked out. And then I lock the door and I stop going in and they freak the heck out. Well, yeah. <laughs> Why do you think that is? You've just reinforced to them for an hour that they may potentially not be safe. They don't know that you're worried about them puking or getting their arms stuck between the mattress and the wall or that you're worried that if you don't respond, you'll destroy their attachment to you or whatever is compelling you to repeatedly go back into the room. They just know that they don't feel safe and when they scream, you come running, which means that there must be a reason that you come running. They aren't actually safe like you told them that they were. Actions speak louder than words. So when you do finally draw the line in the sand, they are now firmly convinced that they aren't safe. And at that point, yes, they are genuinely scared because you've given them a reason to be scared. Or swimming lessons is another common one. Um, we take them to a pool. We put them in floaters. We hand them to a stranger, a swim instructor, and then we get overeager. <laughs> We don't give them a chance to really meet this person and we're like, no, no, go on, you're safe. Listen, do what they tell you to do. Don't run because you could fall in the water. Why are you scared of the instructor? Do what they tell you to do and you'll be safe. And all of this has undertones of, I spent money on these lessons and I really want you to learn how to swim so that you're actually genuinely safe. But they don't know why that, that is why we are so invested. They just know that we're overeager we innately know that we aren't totally safe in water and we're acting weirdly out of character. We're handing them off to someone who to them is a total stranger, right? Red flags are popping up all over the place. And the harder we try, the more they resist, the more scared they get. I remember when my oldest was just learning to swim and we hadn't been around water too much. It was very shortly after we'd moved from Edmonton and we really didn't have easy access to water there the way that we do here. And he was very wary of water. So I signed him up for unparented lessons and there was him, two girls and another little boy. And the two girls had clearly been in lessons before. So they were old pros. They knew what was up. But my son and the other little boy were first timers. And this was really Logan's first rodeo. He'd never been in daycare. He'd never been in preschool. He'd never learned from anyone other than me. 
And he was freaked when we got to the pool. He cried and he screamed all the way through changing and he clung to me when I took him into the lesson. And this other little boy was acting in the exact same way. <laughs> but I knew that in order for Logan to feel safe, I had to project confidence with my actions. This wasn't my first rodeo. I had taken tons of kids, mostly kids with disabilities too, to swimming lessons before. So I calmly got him dressed. I changed into a swimsuit too, even though they weren't parented lessons because I knew I was going to be sitting right by the pool. And the other old mom, bless her, <laughs> she was doing what most parents do and was trying to endlessly reassure her son. And then she got frustrated and she actually picked him up and dropped him in the pool and then prevented him from getting out of the pool. And it was just a total disaster. And in the end, she ended up carrying him out surfboard style within like 10 minutes. Whereas with Logan, I was like, I know you're not going to do this. Um, so I just sat on the edge of the pool and I let him sit on my lap. And I was like, you don't need to go in, but you need to put your feet in the pool and watch. So we did. And then the next lesson, I brought our time timer, right? Holy grail time timer. And I said, you can sit on my lap, but you need to stand in the pool for five minutes at some point during this lesson. And he was like, okay. So we went through the first, you know, 20 minutes. And then I was like, okay, you need to stand in the pool for five minutes. And I set the timer and he stood in the pool for five minutes and watched. And then he came back on my lap. And then the next lesson, he stood in the pool for 10 minutes. And the next lesson, he stood in the pool for 20 minutes, always clinging to my leg, but he was in and standing with the other students. Then the next week, he stayed in the pool the whole time. And then the final lesson, he stood in the pool and I backed away from the edge. And to my shock, at the end of that lesson, he actually let the instructor hold him while he kicked. So we went from total refusal to participating in about six weeks. Did I just throw $100 down the drain on lessons? Some people may have looked at it that way, but I got him in the pool and he had a positive experience. The other little boy went to, I think, two more lessons. He didn't complete either of them. And he also, like, he had huge meltdowns. Logan really just melted down that first day when he didn't really know what was going to happen. But once I set the expectation and I made it clear that I wasn't just going to hand him off to this stranger, um, he didn't melt down after that. He was okay. Um, and then the other little boy just stopped coming because his mother's actions didn't match her words. It took Logan six tries to pass that level, which was painful, but he's passed every single level since in one go. And now he's a complete fish. He's like diving and doing flips and all sorts of stuff. He wants to be on the swim team. I don't know if they ever got that other little guy in the pool and feeling secure, but I'd bet money that it took a very long time and that there were lots and lots of tears. Something that was an irrational fear very quickly became a very real fear for him. And just to be clear, I'm not ragging on the other mom. As I said, she did what most parents do, what the conventional knowledge is. She was probably mortified because her son was freaking out and she was upset that he wasn't learning and she'd wasted money. It's the same mistake hundreds of my clients have made. It's an easy mistake to make if you aren't familiar with stress concepts. And a lot of parents are doing exactly this with masks right now, right? We're getting over eager about their mask use and it's freaking them out versus 
introducing it to them slowly for short periods of time with firm boundaries in place. The easiest way to get rid of your child's irrational fears is to project confidence with your actions. Think about if they are truly safe, how would I act? Consider what is driving your actions. What are your actual concerns? Do they have anything to do with your child's safety? Or are they motivated by concerns over finances, emotions, or judgment from others? And then consider how your child might be perceiving your actions since they don't have any knowledge of those adult concerns. I hope that that gives you either some ideas of where you can make some adjustments or affirms that you're actually on the right path. I know when you're projecting confidence with your actions and they're freaking out, it can feel like you're still utterly failing and doing something wrong. So if you've been doing the right thing and projecting confidence with your actions, but they're still testing the waters, stay the course. It's going to pay off. I promise. Thanks so much for being here with me today. I'll see you next week for another Uncommon Sense Parenting class. Bye. You've been listening to The Mudroom on Common Sense Parenting Classes with Alana Robinson. If you like what you just heard, remember to join us live every Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Facebook. And don't forget to rate, subscribe, share, and connect with us in the Parenting Posse Facebook group. This has been an Alana Robinson Family Services production.